All right, we are live with another episode of Comic Talk. It's that show brought to you by The Keeg, where we talk about this week's releases of comics. For those of you who don't know, DC Comics release new issues on Tuesdays. Marvel and independent comic publishers uh, release their issues on Wednesdays. And we're here on a Thursday to talk about everything that we've binged. I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira, and uh, I read a lot of comics, but, like, I don't read enough to cover the whole gamut of what the industry's up to. That's why I've brought two, I was about to say three awesome guests, uh, <laughs> two awesome guests uh, uh, for you guys today. If you guys are seeing this live, you're seeing this on any one of our live stream channels, obviously Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, but our number one live stream platform is volume.com. It's something I can't say enough of. Volume is a new streaming platform um, based around musicians, singers, now moving into more performing arts, niche geek shows. That's us. We qualify. So we're here on volume.com slash the Keeg show. Uh, that's where we bring the chat from. But if you're listening to us and you can't see our faces, then yes, you are listening to the podcast and that's wherever you get podcasts from. So, I mean, there's, we're on five different podcast platforms. So, you know, take your pick. We're probably there. But let me introduce uh, my guests. Both of these guests have been on the show before and uh, I'm always happy when they're on the show again. That means two things. They're alive, and also they want to be back on the show because um, uh, they live too far away from me for me to force them by gunpoint to be on the show. So enough about me. Let me introduce my two guests. Uh, Manny Batista, uh, you may know him as Manny's Picks on TikTok. Uh, Manny, how you doing today? Doing great. I'm excited to talk about this week's comics. A lot to talk about this week. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I... I have a hard time distinguishing whether a lot of comics came out this week or not enough. Uh, I know what I've read, but uh, was it a slow week or was it a busy week? I feel like for me, I had a lot to read, but it was all like, all right. There wasn't like any of my big books that came out, but there was just yeah. like a lot of the other books that I'm casually reading on the side. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Uh it's interesting for people like us that we just read everything. And so there are certain weeks where we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, these are the books that we really want to read, uh, which I'm going to ask you that question later. So I will get back to you, Manny. Uh, we also got we also got uh, uh, Justin Reno, Moose O, Moose Zero, Moose Justin Moose for you uh, on the show. Uh, Justin, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh I, I think that I, I was I kind of I agree with Manny that I think this is this wasn't really like a week for like a lot of like you know new jumping ons or like new number ones it was it was very much like a middle week in many senses of the word with you know most like you know, you know, a lot of the continuations of books I've been reading and you know a few a few a few highlights but nothing that was like knock my socks off like oh my god I gotta go out and talk about this and make sure everyone's reading this book right. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get down to the nitty gritty about that. Uh, the first question that I ask you guys is, uh, uh, if you had money and time for just one book, what would it be? Uh, I'm gonna guess Manny, but, uh, uh, Manny, has your, has your thing changed? Has your pick changed? No, it's always going to be the same thing. It's going to be whatever Black Hammer book is coming out right now. It's Black Hammer Reborn. That's the main one of the series. Uh, Black Hammer is a great mix of 
like sort of fun superhero action while still being very, very heavily character driven and character focused. It gives me sort of what I want out of both sides, both superhero and indie comics. How how tired are you of pitching Black Hammer to everybody you come across? Until everybody I come across starts reading it, I'm looking directly at you, Dimitri. Then I will not get tired of pitching that book. <laughs> I will. I will. I got. I got to get on it. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it enough that I binge twenty issues of Daredevil to catch up to now? Like, isn't that enough? Like, ah. I respect it, but like, binge like a hundred issues of Black Hammer, and then we'll talk. All right? Like, are there a hundred <laughs> issues? How many issues know, are there? Across, across you know, the different books. Yeah, probably at this point, because there's so many, oh. like, side stories and spin-offs that are all really good and worth reading uh, uh-huh. that you probably get close to 100 by now. All right. Uh, that's funny that you, you bring up 100 issues, because when I think back, like, Invincible was 144 issues, uh, and then I, I, I'm trying to read Why the Last Man, because I'm watching the show, and mm. I only found out, I was like, it's only 60 issues? And that sounds weird. Only 60 issues. But like, that's a good, I mean, that's a good run. It just isn't a 144 issue run. I think now 60 issues feels chunky because there's not a lot of books that get past like 30 or like 20 something these days. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Especially a consistent like 60. Uh, but yeah. for the book, for like the vertical books that you're talking about, it feels like all of them lasted for uh, forever. Right. So. Right. Uh, I, uh, I, I want to, uh, I got something I'm going to talk about after we go through all this stuff with you guys. Uh, there is a lot of books that we got to cover today. Uh, but I do want to open with that question. So yours is black hammer, Justin, what's, uh, what's your one pick to rule them all? Uh, I mean, again, I, I think, you know, for, for now, and it's, it's a relatively recent book, but I, I still have to probably, again, stick with my pick of the Tom Taylor Nightwing run that is currently going on with Bruno Redondo as well. It's it's rare that you get a creative team that like both understands the root of what makes a character great while also like pushing them into a decidedly different direction than they're used to. Um and that's kind of why I'm I'm loving this this book well. It's 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 doing Dick Grayson right and you know again like, like I kind of like challenging the old standby of oh wouldn't batman be useful more useful as bruce wayne philanthropist than you know bruce wayne vigilante um, right and kind of showing the bounce between the two uh with where it's it's currently heading and especially like the stuff with that the stuff with you know the the family he never realized he still had um i'm still very interested in finding out more about like heartbreaker as as that is his come out and also, just yeah. like again, like continuing the. I think the thing I love most about the book, though, is just the fact that it continues building this notion that like the Bat family is well and truly a family, and that they're like always there for one another. They're always yeah, they're you know to pick you up when you fall, and also laugh at you a little bit when you do so. Um, and and just like it's it's nice and like comforting to not feel like yes, there are you know six different. Batman or Batman adjacent books out right now. They're all, you know, not connected. They don't feel interconnected at all. And and having Nightwing feel like, oh yeah, like there's these characters that would obviously show up and come to bat here. Like, why wouldn't they? Like it, it, yeah. it feels it's a, it, it feels good. There were a lot of Batman and Batman adjacent titles that came out this week. Just mm. not the side characters. Like yeah. I, I'm looking through it. There's 
and I'm, I'm bringing up the pictures right now. Um, Batman Urban Legend 7, I Am Batman 1, Joker 7, Future State Gotham 5, Pennyworth 2, Batman 89 number 2. Uh, what else? Uh, and that's as far as, like, Batman proper, I guess. Uh, I mean, he's also in Justice League, both ju- two Justice League titles that came out this week. Like, mm-hmm. it's a lot of Batman. DC always, always leans into Batman. Like, without a doubt, like, there will always be more oh. Batman than anything else that DC puts out. Yeah, that, they, they, that's they, one they week, though. That's literally this yeah. week. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they, they know they know where their bread is buttered. I'm also super excited <laughs> at the recent uh, solicits that they just announced, too, with the upcoming uh, Batgirls book. I can't wait. I've been talking about it. I've been wanting it for so long. (sighs) Do cast some justice. I love that character so much. I can't can't wait. I I find it funny that you say do cast some justice. Also sounds like Duke has some justice. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Like Duke. Yeah. Duke. Yeah. Uh, Uh. have you guys read the webtoons, the uh, uh, Batman stuff? I haven't yet. I have. I, I I went and actually downloaded web- the webtoons app on my phone explicitly so I could read it. I just haven't. I haven't got to it yet. But the the again the stuff I've seen of it, I very much enjoyed. I I appreciate the fact that they're drawing, you know, Damien as not white because he's yeah. not white. Like it's yeah, right. I appreciate. I appreciate that. Um, like it's it, it looks great. Like I'm. I'm. It's. It's like this is like yes, this is the kind of stuff that you know when 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 you say oh DC is partnered with webtoons, this is the kind of stuff that you you want. Like this is like exactly yeah. what it it should be. It's sort of, it's sort right. of like how you know like last week last the end of last week was when Marvel revamped their unlimited app and rolled out those new Infinity comics as well. Um, right. That I feel is is, is obviously playing a, a similar audience of like people who don't typically go you know pick up weekly issues people who who prefer to like read digital comics and like web comics um by like adapting it to like have them be like scrolling comics and right stuff like that i i I've, they've the ones i've read have been very good like i am i am impressed by the fact that this wasn't just like a kind of like you know cash grab ish move of like right. oh well dc went to webtoons we're gonna have our own stuff it's like no we're gonna like have it and it's gonna be it's gonna be solid it's because Mar- and like right. Marvel tried it before, and I feel like those books were sort of like not great or just like fine, mm-hmm. all it's things considered. So it's nice to yeah. see that they're putting like real effort into these. Also, I hold that that uh, that that uh, Bat Family webtoon is fucking genius. It's mm-hmm. brilliant. That is like peak marketing move. That is like we know exactly where our audience for this is going to be, and we're going to put it exactly there. It's brilliant. Yeah. and it's also that like really specific. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's that like, specific demographic. Yes, the people who are going to read that are definitely already reading Webtoon, and the people who are going to see that are now going to download Webtoon because it's a Batman thing, and everybody right. loves Batman, especially right. the Bat family. It's brilliant. I did not know what Webtoons was. I was I was like, okay, when they announced it, I was like, okay, cool. I like the designs that they're going to do. It's going to be a cartoon. It's going to be a cartoon. It'll come out in a couple years. So then people were like, hey, uh, it's out. And I'm like, what the thing you talked about last week? It's like, yeah. Oh, I totally misunderstood what webtoons is. Uh, so it found out. Like, I guess. I mean, 
their marketing strategy worked in the sense that like, I now know what Webtoons is and we're talking about it on our show that is broadcasted to millions of people worldwide. So that's, that's free marketing there. All from comic talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, okay. This is something I've noticed with the comic book industry lately that we've been all wanting for such a long time is that they're realizing that their demographics are not just the same like group of guys for the past 80 years. Right. Like something that I'm learning from TikTok, something that I like I've, I've known for a long time is that like, yeah, girls read comics, uh, 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 marginalized communities read comics. People want, uh, 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 LGBTQ plus representation. Like it's, so Marvel and DC are starting to realize, oh, we need writers who can do this. We need ideas that can do this. And I think that that's been like a recent shift. I wouldn't even say in the last five years. I would say in the last two years. I would hard agree. Hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like for in sure. the last year, year and a half. Like, yeah. It feels like now since we've gotten that big push on both sides in like, for the most part, like, really interesting in good ways like i've been liking the creative team shifts that they've been doing i've been liking the new stuff that they've been putting out with this sort of thing in mind uh it hasn't felt like a lot of people say a lot of that stuff is going to feel like forced that's that's the big argument against it right but so far it's been it's all been like really interesting and really good and it feels like the right we're moving in the right direction right uh, I would say it's the opposite of forced because I think that, well, because like the whole forced thing, sure. Like you ever hear um, the story about Blockbuster had had the, I like could have bought Netflix, but then they were like, nah. And then they ended up dying. Well, comic book industry, I think if they keep this going, they will not die because they will, will adapt and evolve over time. People were like, why is there a coffee shop in a Barnes and Nobles? Why is there a restaurant? Why? What are they doing? It's like, you gotta evolve. Who didn't yeah, evolve? Do, do Blockbuster. Yeah, and, and, and like that's it's also that thing of just like, you know, if if you if you keep the same people, all you're gonna do is tell the same stories. And it's like if you if you approach people with you know different backgrounds, different experiences, different you know views and frames of reference when thinking of these characters, then you get different new stories that keep these characters even older characters fresh i uh again to you know i, I in, in listening to um uh the uh cerebro podcast which is uh you know all about in-depth looks at individual characters of the x-men over their many years um yeah but like uh jay Ididen, who uh or Ididen, who was on the uh cyclops episode talked about how uh, they had written a, a zine view lo- looking at and examining Cyclops, who is their favorite X-Men, through the lens of Cyclops possibly being on the spectrum. And how, like, you know, they talked about how, like, you know, all those times, you know, all the characters would kind of, like, talk crap about Cyclops and how, uh, you know, like, oh, he's being a jerk, he's being, like, rude and everything. It, like Jay was like, oh, so it, I, it hit me weird when I it, it took me into my thirties to realize, oh, you're supposed to be sympathizing with the characters who were saying that Cyclops was rude or that Cyclops is a jerk, 
not Cyclops in those instances, but I kept finding myself being like, no, I know where Cyclops is coming from. And like, in looking at him through this lens, like, like Jay actually ended up writing a snapshot comic all about Cyclops and like yeah. kind of examining it through this lens. And it's a really interesting look that has, on my end too, like completely changed my mind, my, like a, a different way to look at Cyclops and be like, oh yeah, this would actually explain a lot of things and like make me interested in the character in a way that I wouldn't have been otherwise so like yeah it's it's a smart move on both marvel and dc's part to like not just getting you know writers and creative teams who are like you know fans of the characters but people who understand the backgrounds that these characters would have had right and can write from their experience and you know add that humanity to a lot of these characters that sometimes you can let the humanity kind of let go of and that's where things that's where you start getting like all clone saga e and time travel stuff like that's uh yeah the cash grabs yeah. like uh taking care i feel like cash grabs are only cash grabs when they're taking the characters for granted when they're mm-hmm. trying new things because some people it's weird how some people out there are like you know what a cash grab is making a black spider-man it's a cash grab it's like no, the cash grab's no. clone saga. The cash grab is taking for granted the characters that you have and that the landscape that you have without like being like, well, what stories do we want to tell? What stories mm-hmm. can we tell? What stories are worth telling? And I think that like those aren't cash grabs. Having Kamala Khan is not a cash grab. It's wanting to flesh out this universe with characters that we haven't seen before. You know? So, uh, is Justin's connection okay? Are you good? I'm good. Yeah, I'm fine. Okay, I wasn't. Sh- okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's kind of like if if I was like, blah, 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 uh. <laughs> you know. Anyway, uh, uh, what I oh, do want to ask you guys uh, uh, as we move into the the comics that uh, I want to talk about uh, the comics that came out this week. Um, there was a bunch of comics that came out this week for anyone you know who isn't uh, up to date. The big the big stuff to me at least. Uh, I, I love me some Batman 89. I've been looking forward to it. Batman 89 came out. Uh, Rorschach 12 came out. I didn't get to finish it. Um, uh, uh, so that, I mean, that ends that run. I think, uh, justice league came out. Um, Titans United one came out, which I have some thoughts, uh, on Marvel's side. I also, Marvel side. <laughs> yeah. King, King two came out. Uh, star Wars, Darth Vader, uh, came out. Uh, who else was uh, uh, the Bosch or Boosh uh, one shot came out uh, Trial of Magneto number two came out uh, Marauders anyway there's a lot and then I know that there's indie comics that you guys read uh, like uh, uh, we got Jupiter's Legacy Requiem Primordial uh, Homesick Pilot Ninjak uh, Seven Soldiers Seven Secrets Seven, seven Secrets Seven Secrets yes and then Ma, number one. So uh, we got a lot to cover. Here's the question. What is your pick of the week? Uh, out of everything that came out this week. Manny. Fantastic Fantastic Four, life story number four. Mm. Okay. All right. Uh, you want to, uh, I mean, we could we could start on that. And uh, we can talk about, I mean, it's your pick of the week. It's your favorite. Yeah. Uh, what'd you like about it? Uh, this was the the one book this week that I feel like actually emotionally moved me. Uh, each issue of this has been, do you know, the, you guys know the concept behind Life Story, right? Mm-hmm. 
those yeah. of you who don't yeah, know, but for, for everybody, yeah. for everybody out there, uh, what's the life story stuff? Uh, so the idea of life story is that we are uh, taking these characters as if they aged in real time. So the Fantastic Four, uh, their first came, comic came out in the '60s, so it starts in the '60s, but each issue is a different decade. Uh, and for Fantastic Four, each issue is from the perspective of a different character. This week we got the thing in the '90s, uh, the, the the character, the thing in the '90s. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it's focusing, uh, a lot has happened in this book so far, but like a quick, a quick catch up. Reed and Sue have been broken up for a while. Uh, Sue's living her best life with Namor. Yeah. Reed's like freaking out about Galactus coming and nobody believes him. Uh, ben and Johnny have been like weirdly doing their own thing separate from those two, but not in any way that we've like really heavily highlighted. Oh, Johnny's dead. By the way, yeah, I was about to that. say he's Just, doing his yeah, own little, thing, little thing. Yeah. doing his own thing, being in the ground. Um, yeah, but this issue I really liked because, like, one, I'm a big fan of the thing. It's one of my favorite characters, and it does a lot to focus on his internal struggles with, you know, being the thing, which I feel like hasn't happened in this book yet, and I've been sort of waiting for that because that feels like such an integral part of the Fantastic Four. Um, yeah, and in here he reconnects with his old love Sally. Uh, who he had before the accident, but was too afraid to confront until then. And uh, he has a really genuinely emotional conversation about, with her about like, oh, why didn't you come talk to me? Well, I was afraid. And and they sort of amicably, he gets closure on that, which I thought was really beautiful. And he meets uh, Alicia Masters for the first time. And there's a yeah. page in here that, uh, that, the page that made me cry this week was, uh, so he's just talked about uh, a, a really intense experience that he had in the Korean War uh, where he uh, had to um, sort of raise kids whose town he had bombed and he was like really distraught about it and he, he tells that to her and, uh, like part of him being afraid to love wasn't just the fact that he's a giant rock man it's that he feels like he is a monster on the inside and she like takes a second and goes like a lot of people are afraid of love because they're afraid that they're not good enough to be that. Let yourself be good enough to be that. And I was just like, oh, you got me, Mark Russell. <laughs> uh, Mark Russell is great. I love his stuff. This has been, like, pretty dark for a Fantastic Four book, though. Like, like it's, it's gotten, like, really intense. Uh, right. And even more so than I, than I thought. Like, I know, like, Life Story is supposed to sort of go that direction, but this has, like, really hit me more than, like, even more than Spider-Man has so far. I think maybe because, like, like, Fantastic Four are, like, my favorite superhero team, so this has been, like, a real moment for me. Oh. Uh, okay. And this issue ends with the Silver Surfer pulling up, and Galactus is, like, it's here. It's happening. It's it's about to go down. In and 10 really, years. In 10 years. Yeah. But, like, yeah. like yeah. Rel relatively speaking, next issue. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm really interested to see how Mark Russell closes this whole thing out. I'm really liking it so far. Is it only one issue left, or is it two? I th I'm not sure. Is it one or two? I because the next issue is the two. Uh, yeah, but then it would get to 2010s. Yeah, was was uh, life was Spider Man? It's probably six. It's probably it's six true. issues, right? Yeah, I, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I got Spider Man Life Story, uh, the trade, the trade uh, in my bookshelf, and. Weirdly enough, it's one of the only life story or uh, one of the only Spider-Man books I have in trade. Mm. The reason is there's so many Spider-Man books. And when I try to buy trades, I try to buy them all over time. And I know mm. if I start buying a Spider-Man 
one of the trades that I'm just going to try to increase at. Like, you guys have seen my X-Men shelf. It's back there. But, like, I'm trying to do an X-Men thing from start to finish in trades. That's the goal. It, will it ever happen? I do not know. But uh, I would have to do that with Spider-Man. And I don't want to do that. That's, that's a lot. But life story is that. self-contained. So, you know, fair. But, uh, yeah, Fantastic Four life story is pretty good. What's up? What did y'all think of this issue? I'm curious. Uh, I think it's picking up. It's making, it's, it's, it started off slow. Because you have to compare, like, Fantastic Four life story to Spider-Man life story. I guess you don't have to compare it, but, like, it kind of No, but it's an actual comparison, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And Spider-Man life story was, like, great from the get-go. And, like, Fantastic Four life story was, like, eh, slow from the get-go. And That's fair, because that first up. issue was just sort of recap, almost. Like, that first issue was just, like, glossing over all the things we already knew about those characters, whereas, right. whereas Spider-Man Life Story 1 immediately uh, brings up a new facet to this character that we didn't even think about, which was like, oh, shit, the Vietnam War, would he want to enlist, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, which is immediately captivating, whereas the first couple of issues of this were like, okay, so realistically, what the Fantastic Four were would happen within, like, the first 20... 15 years or like 20 to 15 years of their existence right but then yeah. after they're out of their prime what what then and i think you're right this is like since the last issue this has been sort of getting to the meat and potatoes of what we want out of something like this right right justin oh uh, i i i this is one of the ones i got to catch up on um but oh. as 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 a fan of spider-man life story the again i i like this as sort of a concept of some of these characters that have been around for a while, I would love to see it with done with like Iron Man. Um, I think especially it would be a really interesting one to see over mm-hmm. the decades of starting in the '60s and going through like the 2010s and like the early like you know 2020s of watching Stark over 60 years. Like especially because like you know the longevity thing would make more sense too for him because it, it it could it could easily lend itself to kind of that thing of like at what point does you know he replaces enough parts, you know, that it, he becomes his own ship of Theseus of like, is he still Tony Stark if he has to keep replacing his like heart or like other parts of his body as they fail? Right. Right. That'd be sick. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I don't I even like Iron Man one. so much, but I feel like that'd be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Sick. That's, that's why, that's why I love, yeah, that's, that's why I love like the life story as a, as, as a framing device for these long lived characters is, is you really kind of get to see like, in putting it in the terms of like, imagine if they they got these powers when they were eighteen, and then the next sixty years they try to be a superhero while still maintaining a life, while like sort of folding in some of the bigger like storylines and stuff of those decades. But then like considering like it's the Clone Saga, but now Peter is like forty. Um, right? Like, how does that how does that work if it's like a clone of his younger son? It, it's like. That's why I, I. That's why I, I just. I just think it's a really cool, like framing. Yeah. Use. Yeah. What's been interesting about Fantastic Four is that it, like, whereas Spider-Man pretty directly, like, hits on a lot of those big stories, uh, Fantastic Four kind of like, doesn't. Uh, it, it it feels a lot more like we're focusing on, uh, the the these these characters as like individual people, than it does like big Fantastic Four moments, and I feel like part of that is because we haven't, like, the collective consciousness on the Fantastic Four still hasn't gotten out of the first hundred issues. 
yeah. as right. much as I love the Fantastic Four, a lot of the big set, like a lot of the like at, what people see as the Fantastic Four is like the Lee Kirby stuff, and that's sort of it. And this, right? And, and like you can see that in uh, the other Fantastic Four book that they did. What is it? The the uh, the Ed Pisker one? Uh, uh, Grand Design. Yeah, Grand Design. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, you can see that in or not that that wasn't Ed Pisker. That was uh, uh what's no, his it's... name? The other. Um, the 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 guy who the guy who did Street Angel Gang, um, I don't know, but it, I wish I could help. Uh, but you. like that and this sort of both feel like they're they're still working off of the a very like Fantastic Four was Lee 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 and Kirby's first hundred issues first like big chunk of that because I I don't see a lot of influence from the rest of the FF's history outside of like a couple right. Of, costume references here and there like they, they're wearing the burn costumes i think in the third issue mm. uh things like that it is ed pisker by the way you were uh you were right uh, or, or the rather rather it's it's uh it's sorry it's it's um tom scioli it, it's, yes. it's, it, it's it's using the same again the same formula that x-men great as design did but with the fantastic four yeah and, and then again that was that one was also focused on like that specifically kirby stuff so i'd be interested to see mm-hmm. if since we're getting into the modern era now in this book, right, in 2010, in the, 20, in the 2000s and the 2010s, to see what they fold in from other runs. Like, I'd be curious to see if they do anything with the Council of Reeds, because yeah. that's Reeds. a thing that happens. If, That'd be really cool if, to if, incorporate I mean, into this. Has, again, as someone who hasn't read it, have, has Valeria and Franklin shown up yet? Franklin showed up, and he's already married and an adult. But we have not focused on him a lot. We've only gotten a single scene where he's like, I had like a weird thing happen with my powers and Uncle Johnny bailed me out of jail. And like, that's it. Huh. Yeah. Uh, you go to his wedding in this one, which I thought was cute. Uh, uh, I, was a, I was a fan of that. Um, uh, Justin, do you, do you have a... Uh, uh, sorry to segue away. No, you're uh, <laughs> but... Uh, uh, I really, by, by the way, I really like, and we'll talk about it later, the Fantastic Four issue that came out this week, uh, yeah, thir- uh, issue 35, but mm-hmm. it was like a double, it was like a giant-sized issue, uh, but we can talk about that later. Justin, what was your pick for this week? What was your pick of the week? Uh, I think, I mean, honestly, just because it, it's it's a storyline that I'm really invested in, uh, I think my pick of the week is probably issue two of Trial of Magneto. Um Okay. I think I think that it's it's a really fascinating story, um, and like in, with with kind of like unraveling with each each successive issue, it feels like it is trying to like finally undo the retcon of you know Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver no longer being mutants. I I have an idea, like, yeah, and and they're trying to like finally bring them back. Um, and especially with like what happened in this issue too, I feel like, I mean, again, like it, it left it it, 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 it does a good job of like leaving it with a question as it answers the, whatever, you know, the question asked at the end of the previous issue. Right. Um, well, the premise for not- this whole thing, the premise for this whole thing for anyone out there who wants to know is Scarlet Witch, uh, has been murdered and all signs are pointing to Magneto and Magneto won't go down without a fight. And Magneto says it wasn't him. Uh, and so the X-Men uh, don't believe him, and there's kind of this fallout from that. But then is Scarlet Witch dead? Is she, like, did she die? Did she get brought back to life? What the hell's going on? 
And so we're only mm-hmm. in issue two of this miniseries. And uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's upending a lot of what these last two years, three years of, of X-Men titles have been building up. It's been like toppling them down. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it, well, it, cause like sort of, sort of what I, what I was talking to with Manny too earlier about, I'm interested because Inferno number one comes out next week, unless I'm mistaken. Um, okay. And so I'm really interested because, you know, this is the last Inferno is the last event from Hickman on his run with right. the X-Books and with the X-Men, you know, little chunk of the Marvel universe in which it, you know, it basically is, it's everything's going to burn down. And like the, the dream of Krakoa is going to end uh, for, for better or for worse. Um, and so I'm interested in kind of seeing how Trilor Manito interplays with that, because like you were saying, like, yeah, like this issue especially had like a lot of like butting heads of like hope, not agreeing with Xavier, basically, you know, implanting mental suggestions to Magneto's mind to get him to confess one way or the other, whether or not he did this. Um, yeah. And of hope like waking Magneto up so he can try to get to Scarlet Witch's body before the Avengers can. Um, right. which is also like an interesting thing as well, because like, I, I, and, and again, I could, it could just be me being dumb, but like, I, I, like, I'm, I'm interested in like, why do we want to try to hide, you know, the body when like, when like, you know, the quiet council invited the Avengers to come get her remains so that, you know, her husband, the vision could right. bury her and like, and like give her like a proper send off, which is yeah. like a tricky thing because like, again, like they can't, you know, the whole rule on Krakoa these days is if you're a mutant, you never really die because right. you can just be brought back. But because right. Scarlet Witch was revealed to not be a mutant and is largely hated on Krakoa as the as this villain, the, the pretender um, because of, you know, her causing the decimation, uh, it, it kind of led to this interesting thing of, like, how do we handle this? Like, right. we try to revive her as a mutant this time would that be right would it still be scarlet witch if it was um and like just like i i i like the first issue had one of the best and like most like heart-rending bits of like grief on the part of quicksilver on on just like the the bit where he kind of he kind of talks about his feeling of like loss of his sister of knowing like she is well and truly dead because all because it turns out they're not mutants, so she doesn't get to come back to life. Um, but they don't know. Then, right, but do, they don't know. Does Quicksilver? Quicksilver doesn't know about the resurrection protocols, right? No, because no, he, he, he doesn't because he's yeah. not a mutant. But he knows. Right. He knows. But he knows enough to know that mutants will come back. You know, I think he knows enough about. It. He doesn't know mm-hmm. the specifics. It's kind of like how in this issue, Emma Frost had to put up the whole kind of illusion to hide the hatchery from the Avengers yeah. so that their secret couldn't get out. Um, right. And again, there, there was also that like budding heads between Jean Grey and Lorna Dane of like, we got to make sure that we write, wipe their memories before they leave so that they don't carry it out with them, which is like another right. interesting, like, again, like that question of like where kind of human rights violations start and end on Krakoa. Um, right. And, and also just like, yeah, it's again, like just like a, a real sad moment of like, Magneto being like, I'll fine, I'll confess, I did it. Take me with you, just leave. Just like just yeah. like just like take me with you and, and all of us can leave right now. Yeah. Um what does he know? Because there's something going on. There's something oh, fishy about this whole thing. 
Oh, for sure. Because again, like you know, like the the, the things that we only things that we really know about like how she died was that the fact that she was like strangled by like metal it appears or like wire of some kind. Yeah. Um, but again, like it doesn't necessarily mean that man, you know, he was just the last person to be seen with her before it happened. Yeah. And, and again, so like, that's why it's this interesting thing of like who did it and why, um, yeah. uh, you know, when you, again, like, cause it's an interesting thing of you're on an Island full of people who technically have some base level motive for wanting to do this because of an old harboring that old grudge that's only been stoked since Krakoa became a thing. Of, right, you know, she is a villain. She is the true villain of mutant kind. Of somebody who thought she she had the right to, to strip away all but 198 people of their powers. Yeah. Um and again, like with the reveal at the end of this issue, where apparently she spontaneously revives, yeah, and comes back, has like again a further question of like what does this mean? And like, that's why so like, I'm like, I'm very interested in, in finding out, you know, finally getting a, a, a resolved answer of a, what happened and B, what does this mean for Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver? Right. I think that, cause keep in mind, Dawn of X and this whole Hickman run, the Hickman is leaving. Doesn't mean that things he's set up will topple down. I don't think Krakoa right. is over in the next couple months, but we're going to be moving to a new phase where whoever's running it will probably go forward with Hickman's ideas mixed in with their ideas. So mm. who's to say, but uh, keep in mind that Dawn of X happened after Marvel got Fox back or the yes. Disney got Fox. Yeah, it did. Cause it, cause it, um, house, house of X powers of 10 came yeah. out in 2019. Uh, so they absolutely uh, had, right. had acquired everything by that point. Okay. Um, but like, yeah, man. Like, I, I am, I'm interested too. Oh, because like again, like I think like a sort of like slight hint we have of what's coming post Hick Hickman's departure with you know with the people he's still been working with, still working on these X books, uh, is the one-two punch of the lives and deaths of Wolverine, like dual series they're going to be doing in the new year. And right. today in the solicitations, they also announced a new Sabretooth solo book. Right, uh, written by author uh, Victor Laval, um, which has been interesting because, again, Sabretooth, the last time we saw Sabretooth was in the House Dawn of X series, where right. he gets brought in after, you know, doing some criminal shit in New York. Uh, murders, specifically. Murders. Yeah, 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 yeah. He <laughs> kills some people, and, you know, Emma Frost comes in and, you know, grabs him out of the thing, being like, you know, you know, diplomatic immunity, you can't do anything with him brings him before the Quiet Council, who then condemn him to a pit somewhere in the depths of Krakoa, and we have right. not seen or heard from him since. Right. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what was going on with him during that whole time and how he's going to react to being set loose once again. Right. Keep in mind... Okay, so first things first, I think there's a long game being played with the writers of X-Men in order to set certain things back to status quo. Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver will be back to being mutants and Magneto's children in one mm. way or another. Uh, and I think well, that they're playing the long game with this tr trial of Magneto and the death of Scarlet Witch in order to bring her back as a mutant. They're going to figure it out. They're going to bring her back as a mutant. 
Oh, yeah. And, 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 like, Magneto himself had even said, like, one of the last things he said to her before she died was that basically he was ignoring the retcon and that he still right. considers, you know, her his daughter. Um, yeah. And, and again, like, which, which, which adds to the confusion of, like, how, what, like, what, when all signs point to him killing her, why would he have done it if they, if they, the last thing they did was share an actual tender moment together? Right. Um, but no, yeah, unless I, it's I, a I pity, it it's a pity thing. You'll always be my daughter. Next snap, right? See, like, I don't, I, I mean, I can, uh, the only reason I, again, the only reason I would think of that would be like motivation on Magneto's part, if there is truly like love for his daughter would be killing her to try to force the quiet counselor to revive her um, yeah and and reinstate her as a mutant essentially um, right but like i am very i'm I, i'm very interested because again like i i like it's also like i'm like i've loved all everything that's happened in the world of the x-men since this dawn house like re reboot um yeah but i'm also very interested in seeing how it falls apart in inferno and what right. what role you know, you know, when, Mystique. The, 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 well, Mystique, especially a Mystique and Destiny, and the fact that they will finally kind of have to reckon with the fact that, like, hey, enough people being like, hey, why haven't we brought back any precogs? Why right. hasn't, why hasn't, why haven't we been allowed to do that yet? Right. Uh, before we move on to another title, I just, uh, now I'm blanking, I'm blanking on on uh, uh, what I was going to say. Oh, Mimic, and this is something I brought up on your TikTok. Mimic is a mutant now. He never yeah. used to be, and they retconned him into being a, a, a mutant in just in one sentence of, of House of X, Powers of X, or whatever. Yeah, so it's, it's I, I'm curious as to whether or not it is like the 616 Mimic or the Exiles Mimic who was a mutant um, and whether okay. they just kind of replaced him. Cause they kind of did the same thing with uh, Pyro in Marauders, how when they, when they revived him, it was the OG Pyro. And right. not the, not the one that a lot of, a lot of like people were more familiar with in like the nineties and everything. Um, and so like, I'm curious as to whether or not, cause Mimic has died a bunch in the comics. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm now curious as to whether or not it was, that mimic that if they, if they brought back, but if he's a mutant, I'm I'm assuming it's the Exiles mimic, who is from an Earth where he is a mutant. I think it's a backdoor explanation for when they eventually put Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver back to being mutants, saying okay. that saying that there are certain people that when resurrected are mutants, and that something is different. You know what I mean? So, yeah. oh yeah. I mean, I, uh, I I do want to move from this to, to something else, but at the same time, like, oh, man, X-Men is... Uh, uh, I I think there's going to be a thing where Scarlet Witch becomes a mutant again, and Quicksilver is not, thus painting Quicksilver again as the black sheep of everything. And so, so uh, I, I don't know. There's going to be something very interesting there. Um, there are a lot of comics that came out this week uh, did anyone read Batman 89? Yep. Okay. I got some crazy thoughts and I would like, that's my pick of the week. Uh, only because it really, it, it answered some questions that I had and I, I like the direction that they're going in. And then, um, 
Here we go. Basically, for those of you who don't know, Batman 89 continues the story of Michael Keaton's Batman movies. Not Val Kilmer's, not George Clooney's, but the question... Oh, NYC Brando out there. Uh, don't worry, I see you. I see you. Uh, says retconned into a mutant. Yes, Mimic is now a mutant. And I've been proven wrong, even though I said Mimic was not a mutant. Now he is... And the question is how? Uh, and mm -hmm. NYC Brando says, love these covers. So thank you, NYC Brando. Uh, uh, give us a follow uh, if you can. We're all over the place on social media. Uh, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at The Keeg Show. And then uh, follow Manny and Justin at their social media too. Anyway, the point being is, Batman 89, I was worried that it was going to not include Batman Returns because I had heard both ways. I had heard it like, that Selena would be popping up, but I'm like, is it going to retcon Batman Returns? But it turns out in this, no, it takes place after Batman Returns. And there is something... So so we have this history of Selena being Catwoman, all the events of those first two movies, even though it's called Batman 89, not Batman 92 or whatever. It still continues from that. They also bring up the game station, which I had to mm -hmm. look up. It looks like a PlayStation I had to look up, when did the first PlayStation come out? 94. Batman Forever comes out in 95. And in this book, the game station is new. So, leading me to believe that this, this uh, timeline, it's 94, 95. So, I, I, I thought I that's sure. interesting. Yeah. And we see Harvey Dent. We see Billy D. Williams' Harvey Dent, which I've wanted to see for so long. He's mm -hmm. dating Barbara Gordon, daughter of the commissioner estranged daughter of the commissioner and also she's a cop as well uh and we see an older bruce with no robin because batman forever hasn't happened but there is a robin and uh i want to know what, what your guys' thoughts are i have been Maybe. really liking what they were doing with this book yeah uh, like something like this could very easily be like a dumb cheap movie tie-in Right, like, 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 right. very easily be like paid by numbers. We're we're not taking any risks. We're not doing any right. anything interesting. But everything that they've done with Harvey Dent in here has been fucking Holy fascinating. Shit. It's been Holy shit. so yes. interesting and really taking it like really taking advantage of the fact that we have a black Harvey Dent in a real way and right. the sort of bridge between the the sort of big rich people Gotham and the Gotham on the underbelly and that's been so interesting to see him sort of play within that and even when he makes that speech and everybody's like yo what the fuck man I, 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 what what are you doing now and then Bruce Wayne's like oh yeah. no, no, no no you're right you're right yeah uh and see yeah. and now we're taking advantage of Bruce of Bruce of the actual Bruce Wayne persona which is something that you don't even see in regular fucking Batman books very right often. uh this new Robin has been really one the suit is fantastic the yeah. suit is great. I like it. I like it. It's real And by good. the way, is it Tim? It's no, it's, it's, it's a new it's character. A, it's a brand new he's character. He's called Drake. Was, yeah. yeah. But he's not, but he's not Tim Drake. Um okay. he's a brand new character. He was I think um, unless I'm mistaken, he was originally supposed to be played if Tim Burton had gotten to do his third Batman movie. Yeah. He was originally supposed to be played by Marlon Waynes, a young Marlon yep. Waynes. Yeah. Um and Marlon Wayne's actually uh, I think screen tested this look. That, that that he is in, in in the thing, but they unfortunately they they, they didn't get the chance to make it. Um, right, Drake Winston is his name. Drake Winston, yeah. Drake Winston, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, okay. But yeah, like, I I I love I do love that he's 
again, he is like separate from Batman. It makes sense continuing the story of the movie that like Robin, it, it wouldn't make sense, especially if, if it wasn't, you know, a Dick Grayson or a Tim Drake. It wouldn't make sense for him to just kind of be, oh, wait, it's, oh yeah, the Michael Keaton Batman 100% dub. I don't think he, 100%, he really would um, because he was so confident in what he was doing as Batman by himself that he wouldn't think to get to like reach out and, and bring in a sidekick. And that's right. of what that's that's when one of the big interesting things of the series is watching him realize his limitations as Batman and the collateral that can happen. Oh man, he's Batman, dude. Like, man, like yeah, that 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 whole bit at the beginning with like when he when he when the SWAT team rolls up on him and like and he has that moment where he's like, yeah, I failed. He's like, I I have a hundred percent. Like I I don't know how to fix this. And Alfred has to be like, well, I mean, you are a billionaire. And like it's not like it's not replacing a human life, but it is like trying to do something to help out. Like when when you when you when you don't know like what else to do. Um, and right. again, like, it was also that that interesting little moment where he walks in on that little um, on that little like, kind of you know, the, 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 the meeting, the meeting? That's going on. Yeah. Um, and he has that moment where he talks to him. He's like he's like you know I am an orphan who is the victim of gun violence, and and like so many people there are like yeah same. It's like, yeah. it's like it's 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 an interesting thing of like an interesting kind of gap to bridge on on, on that direction. It's it's um, you ain't special, man. Like yeah. I'm sorry. It was it's the privilege that allowed Bruce Wayne to become Batman. The tragic story. A lot of people have that tragic story in real life. Yeah. But it's the it's it's the privilege and the fracturing of his psyche that turns him into Batman. Uh, and he just so happens to be of perfect height. And perfect weight and perfect everything, right? Like he just so had and have the funds to support his education as he travels the world. Uh, I want to draw a parallel. Uh, this book is so good because it's it's doing a thing where it's showing two Gotham's and and like Manny said, really bringing out the fact that like yes, we have a black Harvey Dent. What does that mean? Is it just Aaron Eckhart? That fundamentally changes no. the story. Yeah. Yeah. No. It, yeah. Right. It hundred percent. And like honest. It, it all it really does is make me matter that we didn't actually get to see this because like right it it's such an interesting approach for the character of Two Face uh -huh. in in the sense of like because like they, they kind of like they call him out on it uh, more in the first issue than, than this one but they kind of call him out on the fact that like yeah he he came up on the bad side of town yeah. just like everyone who was there and but he essentially you know he's now hobnobbing with like the wealthy elite read like the right. white people the rich white people of gotham yeah and it's like kind of being accused of forgetting where he came from and like leave and, and, and like you know only only kind of calling on his past as, as a selling point to get him his governorship and right. and like he and, and, and like he shows in this one that that's not the case like when he, he's talking about it, he speaks from the heart and like right. again like he, he he does he makes that point there are two gotham's and like that's why like Harvey Dent comes and yells at him because he he had worked so closely with the cops and like to to him for him to even say like I still recognize as a district attorney that like there is different there you, you, it, it's too uh, dealing with a white a, a white criminal that I I am having to defend and versus you know a black criminal is like yeah. you're you're gonna get two different juries and two different sentences off off the same thing and there's two Gotham's yeah um, uh, it's, it's fascinating yeah uh, a couple of things is I. Dude, I was, I've been, I got so into this issue that I'm like, I forgot that Harvey Dent turns to Two-Face. Yeah, until the very end. <laughs> until the very end. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, come on, man. 
Uh, like, come on. I don't, I, I didn't, I don't want it. Cause I want, I like his character right now. And I, I'm like, I want to see more of this. Um, also like, uh, uh, something that I thought was very interesting. Oh, couple things, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, piggybacking off of what Justin was saying, this could only have been written nowadays, not because of the subject matter, because the subject matter has been around now, but to make it mainstream and to make it a story could have only been written now and not by Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. I don't trust Tim Burton with characters of color. He never does it. He just wants, mm-hmm. like, he doesn't even have olive-skinned white people. He loves He's pale, got, like, pale, white, white, yeah, yeah. yeah. like, yeah. right. Uh, and so Tim Burton does not, like, I, like, I'm surprised whenever Tim Burton has a black person in his movie. I'm like, I didn't know you knew any black people. I didn't know. Uh, it's kind of like Wes Anderson movies. Uh, it's like, it's the same thing. Why are there still directors like this that love to have big ensemble casts of all white people? I do not know why that's like still a thing, but it's still a thing to today. So the point being is like this, this story could only be written now and without Tim Burton using this Tim Burton thing. So if Tim Burton got a third movie, maybe Marlon Wayans would have been Robin, but I, I don't think uh, it, it just wouldn't have been the same, you know? Yeah. I also did love, you know, again, like I, I, I like you were saying, I, I love the Catwoman, like, like, like yes. still obviously being around, like why wouldn't right. she? Like it's, it, it's, it's nice that like that is still like a part of like Bruce, like Bruce having to contend with his past as well. That like, it's yeah. not as clean because you have the Joker game still running around, even without Joker, and like yeah. you know you have and you have the Batman gang, you mm-hmm. have the Batman gang yes. too, yeah, which are That's like great. white oh, that supremacist was really looking guys, yeah. yeah. But it makes sense. The vigilantes—they're like, we're gonna clean up. It's the Kyle Rittenhouse type people. There's like, we're gonna go there and we're gonna be the good guys, and it's like, nah, you're just trash, man. Yeah, you know what's kind of unfortunate about this book though. Uh, yeah, I feel like because it is Batman '89 and because it is tied to something very specific, a lot of people get to skip over it. A ton of people, yeah, are gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah they're gonna look it, at it. It's no good. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like it's 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 a shame. Like, it's like it's definitely not one that should just kind of be written off. Like I, I'm also really enjoying like in a different way, but similar with nostalgia ish. I'm also I also really enjoyed the first issue of Superman '78. Um, but like I, I feel like it's interesting because both of them technically are like, here's what was supposed to happen if there was another one of these movies. Right. But Batman 89 is really going in a direction that, like you were saying, Dimitri, I don't think Tim Burton could have pulled off. But I'm no. really I really love watching the story and I'm really fascinated to see what this two-face ends up being like. Right. I'm also a sucker for like Smallville season 11 and like <laughs> Buffy had Buffy and Angel had their like next seasons, but in comic form. And so I really like this idea because there's a lot of shows out there that like, fine, we, we've given up hope that these shows will come back, but they could come back in comic book form. You know, also, this is doing it right. It's taking risks with that property. It's doing things yeah. that you wouldn't be able to do on the big screen. It's, going, oh, wait, like, we can do whatever the hell we want with this, so let's tell a genuinely interesting and compelling story that we wouldn't be able to do in the main Batman book because of the specific circumstances that we have with this Batman 89 property. You know what I mean? Right, right. 
It also sucks on a more meta level that these are stories that were pertinent then and they're pertinent now. And we still got to be telling these stories. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, on the, on the plus side, check uh, like that comic cover with Billy D Williams as Harvey Dent Mm -hmm. with the Batman shadow over him with two face. Ah, the covers, the covers on, on this series are really knocking out of the park. They're really, really good. The, the, The next one, the one that they've already released, the one with Barbara Gordon in the evidence room is also a really good cover. Mm. I want Batgirl. I want Batgirl. I I don't want them to skip over and make her Oracle. I just, I want Batgirl. Give me some Batgirl. You know? Uh, but that's just me. Maybe that's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, what other books did we read this week? Because uh, uh, there were a lot of books that came out. Um, and given that uh, we all a lot we could talk about. It. Yeah, given that we all have thoughts on it, what about uh, Titans United? Yes, Titans yeah. United. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, for, uh, well, my first thought is that it was jarring seeing Superboy in his black shirt again, especially after Suicide Squad said to us that the black shirt Superboy from Suicide Squad is actually Match, and the Connor Kent Connell 90s suit one is our Superboy, kind of in a weird mm-hmm. way. I don't know. So then the, the Superboy in this book should be the leather jacket Superboy. But when I went through this, this book, I was like, Oh, this is the Titans lineup. This is the Titan. This is the Titans mm-hmm. show lineup. Mm-hmm. It's literally, and on the cover has Hawk and Dove and, you know, black it also, it also Superboy has- and all that. It also has the sticker of like, "Hey, make sure you check out Titans on HBO Max." Yeah. Is that um, what it has? I didn't. I didn't see that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's in the book too. This book, I feel like, is emblematic of, is of, about what I hate about this new Infinite Frontier thing, because oh man, every book is a trip to try to figure out if this is in contin- in like the thin layer of continuity that DC has right. going on right now or not, because this, for all intents and purposes, looks like it could be. A, a, something that would accompany like a Titans Academy or something like that, right? That's yeah. Uh, but like, it's it's not. And for like a, the first little bit of every single freaking DC number one recently, I've just been like, okay, because oh, like Superman and the sense. Authority. Same deal. Every single the beginning yeah. of every single book is accompanied with like a layer of confusion as I try to make sure what did and didn't happen in this version of the oh. DC universe that's been happening in every book, and it's been so annoying. The actual book was fine it didn't really do anything well, here's, for me yeah here, here's here, here's the thing i i am not somebody who watches titans okay um i i gave it like two issues uh, two episodes and i couldn't it wasn't for me um but th- th- this specific series does a thing that really really bugs me uh in like tie-in comics where it's the characterizations of these characters are from whatever TV show or movie it is like kind of like cross promoting into. Right. But they choose to do classic character designs to try to hook the people who don't watch the movie or the TV show and who are more right. familiar with the comics angle. And right. so like, like there, there's like a point where like in, in near the beginning of the book where they're fighting the dude 
and Jason Todd yeah. does his standard Jason Todd thing of taking out his guns and shooting at him. And uh, Donna Troy like mutters under her breath, like, oh, I thought there was only one dick on this team. And I was like, what? Why would she say that? Um, yeah. And it's it's like it's it's like, oh yeah, I guess this is this is Titans versions of these characters, but they're just meant to look like and I just I just hate when they do that. It's it's like just like just draw them like they look in the show and lean more heavily into the fact that make it's, it make, it's a make it a tie-in. It's make it a tie-in then. Yeah, make it a tie-in. Don't be afraid to make it don't try to half ass it because you're not gonna make anyone happy when that happens. Like I right. I for one can basically very firmly say like I will not be continuing to read this series. Um, but like the first issue was just kind of boring too. It's also, yeah, it's it's also a weird, like, it's not like an intriguing enough, like, Ooh, what's going on for me to like, even want to keep going. It's like, okay. So somebody is kind of empowering people to try to take out the Titans by giving them their powers. That's kind of very self-explanatory actually. Yeah. It's it's just going to be a question of like who, and I'm sure if I like look at like who the main villains have been in Titans so far, (laughs) I can probably, narrow it down to who it probably is yeah um yeah i don't i don't know yeah this one this one wasn't for me i i was hoping that this would be a because i've been talking about how titans academy is the only titans series that we have and that's focusing on the younger people kind of like wolverine and the x-men focused on that like class of like characters that we never even knew uh and i thought titans united would be the older class of titans because in Mm -hmm. a perfect world in a perfect world of Infinite Frontier, I would want a Titans ongoing, a Teen Titans ongoing, sure. and a Titans Academy ongoing. And well, then I get all my Titans, because I love me and my Titans, but I thought this would be the older guard, and it's not. It's well, that's, that's the interesting thing, is that, like, for a, for a little while, before the future state, uh, everything happened, for a little while, that was kind of what it was between the Teen Titans book and the Young Justice book, was it was like, Sort of like a, a like a two different kind of guards, like like two different teams of of, of that yeah. regard, and like, but yeah, like I also thought like before I like when I was just like saw it pop up, I was like, oh, all right, I'll 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 check this one out. Like it's it's a number right. one. I'm more inclined to jump in on a number one, and I like the Titans, and I would like to kind of see this older the older Titans that I'm familiar with kind of do their right. thing. Um, and then yeah, it quickly dawned on me like, oh no, this is a Titans tie-in book, and I am severely less interested in it now. I'm so, yeah, I've been watching Titans. I have, I mean, if anyone wants to go out there and listen to the podcast episode where we're talking about Titans and my disappointment in it, you can. But, uh, long story short, uh, I watch Titans, but like, I got some bad thoughts about it. Yeah. Just, I watched the uh, first two know. seasons and then I was like, well, I will not be continuing it for a third. If you like it, it, like, I'm glad that you were able to get something out of that that I wasn't, but, I just really wasn't a big fan. And yeah, like I've just been like craving really good recent Teen Titans slash Titans stuff. And I feel yeah. like everything's been like so just like mediocre for a very yeah. long time. And that that really sucks. Like Titans Academy yeah. is a book that I keep like I told you before, Dimitri, I keep wanting to like, but keep just going, this is like not great or not even like yeah. particularly good or interesting and then i was like right. oh okay another titans book with a, with a lineup that i'm more that, I, that i'm sort of more familiar with like like yeah. you said yeah. when you first saw that and i was like all right sick and then i read it and then it, it and not only was it like a like a show tie-in because i don't mind show tie-ins if they're like good right. if they're inter- like batman 89 we just talked about it. it's yeah. a tie-in it's to something great. else but it's yeah. excellent 
Uh, yeah. But yeah. this feels like I'm I'm looking at like a like a really boring Amazo plot that I've seen a bajillion mm-hmm. times. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I'm just kind of kind of let down by this one, and uh, everybody makes fun of me because I say I'm a continuity whore, and other people are out there being like. You know, uh, continuity doesn't matter, but we see that it clearly does. And DC has an easy way of doing this. DC has a way of doing this that Marvel does not. And that is, if you labeled each of your series with an Earth Prime or Earth 2 or Earth 3 on the cover, just one quick label that would show first-time readers that, like, DC Prime is kind of what you want to go for, but if you want to read series that take place in the Crime Syndicate's universe, that's an Earth-3 label. And if you want, like, like I don't know, there's so many other stories. Like, okay, you want to continue the Earth-2 thing? Yeah, what's up? Was it too, uh, be too confusing? You know why they won't do that? You know why they won't do that? Because why? we all just got got, every single one of us. All three mm-hmm. of us just got got by this book. All three of us were like, oh, sweet, a Teen Titans book that is going to take place alongside the other Titans book. And then we all bought it, and then we all were were slightly disappointed. That's going to happen to everybody with every new book because you don't know whether or not the book that you're about to read is within its own little timeline, like a Mr. Miracle that's happening right now, which is a very good book. uh, Yeah. Or... But very confusing. It's still confusing. (laughs) Confusing as hell because you jump into it and you're like, where the fuck does this take place? And then they don't tell you at all. But you're still right. gonna freaking read it because you don't know right. when you're jumping into it. If they had labels as to specifically where these things take place or what what is in the same continuity, then we then we wouldn't be grabbing every single book. We'd be grabbing every book in a very specific line, as opposed to yeah. uh, reaching out or feelers and taking up uh, other things. Because comic fans, myself included, are very obsessed with what like air quotes matters, right? So people are only right. gonna pick up what matters. But when you're not sure what matters, when everything when we're doing this infinite frontier situation where everything sort of matters but sort of doesn't, then that means yeah. that comic fans can be like, well, I guess I'll just, like, start read everything, question mark? Yeah, that's, I, 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 yeah. Feel like, I feel like DC kind of shot themselves in the foot by choosing to kind of do Future State and Infinite Frontier so close yeah. to one another because yeah. they, both, they both feel like soft reboots right. and... It's it's interesting because I I've been reading like the Infinite Frontier ongoing miniseries, and yeah. I have very much been enjoying that in and of itself yeah. of of this to try to like set up the the new status quo of the DC multiverse, right? Um, but yeah, it, it gets confusing when you hop from that to like Batman, and it's just its own very self contained thing. It doesn't have anything to do with that yet. But then you pick up uh, I Am Batman, which the first, the first, the number one issue of that came out this week. The number, the zero issue came out a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but the number one issue of that came out this week, and that is both a a continuation or like a prequel ish to the future state Batman stuff, while also kind of tying into part of what is going on in the main Batman book now, with establishing like the magistrate and that kind of a thing. And it's it's interesting because like I understand that like the the premise of Future State was like these are all possible and probable storylines that we will see at some point in the future. It could be later this year. It could be five years from now. But like yeah. these are all like future stories, and it's, it's uh, variations too. Like variations, it's a, it's, a, yeah. it's a possible future. Yeah, yeah. 
and and so it's been interesting to me that like how very quickly they were like actually uh, most of these storylines are coming up right now. Uh, that that we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna introduce the magistrate in Gotham, and we're gonna start yeah. we're gonna kick off Yara Floor being Wonder Girl, uh, and we're also going to uh, have the Suicide Squad go multiversal, uh, and right. uh, like like all these things. Like, and bring gonna, in Red X. Yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna do all of it now. We're just gonna do it all now. Never mind. We're just gonna do it all in the next year. Um, yeah, and, and and then and then yeah, like it's it's just like, and then yeah, then there are the books like Batman or you know Wonder Woman or like Justice League, which don't really have any effect on any of the real multiverse stuff that's really going on. Or really uh, Justice League is dealing with well, a little dealing bit. with a l- yeah Naomi's thing, but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you're right. You're right, but like, but like, not like, not like the way that like Infinite Frontier is. No, where it's like yeah. Justice Incarnate, and like Dark Side is back and is yeah about to ruin you know lock off the multiverse once again. Yeah. By the but way, again, I'm cool with I'm cool with Justice League Incarnate being like fighting Dark Side. I'm tired of yes. Dark Side. Keep yeah. Dark Side away from my Justice League because like well, I think we don't need it. We don't need I, him. We don't need think, him. I think the issue with the DC seems to have is that they think that if they don't, if they can't just point at Darkseid and be like, he's the villain, they inevitably end up making like the Batman who laughs and being like, okay, you don't want Darkseid. What about we do this? And then everyone hates it. And they're like, great, back to Darkseid. Um, right. And it's like, it's like, man, like, just like, there, A, there's other villains you can look at, and B, just take a chance. Bro, right. There's other villains. Oh my gosh. That's why I think that's like a big reason that people didn't like the Batman who laughs because he was in like everything for like, everything. like forever. Mm-hmm. Like if you maybe gave him like a single event and then have him like maybe just chilling every so often, like he appears and you're like, oh hey, look, it's the Batman who laughs. Forgot about yeah. that guy. But he was the main villain in like a bunch of shit forever. Yeah. And you're like, do you the more you give me evil bat and then not he was not even the only evil batman yeah, he was like so one of like seven yeah. yeah what about wrath like, and scorn where's wrath yeah. and scorn these days it's like, like you know, anyone you know, else you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of one of the last i'm, I'm feeling it was one, one, like the tail end of scott snyder's tenure on batman he introduced mr bloom and mr bloom is a really cool character but he was also there the perfect amount of time he was really interesting, and he showed up, and he did what he had to do, and he was useful. And then he he's now shelved, and I think he's being brought back for Fear State. I think that he's he's having okay. I think something to do with like point now Poison Ivy's back, so he's being like slightly retconned. Um, okay, but I I'm like but like that's like that's cool, like like that's that's a cool way to like like you also don't have to draw out like you were saying, Manny. Like you don't have right. to, like he was in he was in. A lot of stuff, and then in two huge company-wide events, he was the bad guy for. And right, back to back too. Yeah, uh, and I don't know if you guys read Batman Fortnite. Did you guys read that? No. Yes. That I that's did. another comic that didn't have to be as good as it needed as it, as it was. Great, I heard great things. Uh, I liked it a but, lot. But the ending literally has Batman who laughs. Why? Why does the cliffhanger for the next Batman Fortnite team up have to do with Batman Who Laughs? I do not want Batman Who Laughs. Can we stop it? Can my, we? My can we? Is, is like, did did they like did DC buy the I like the, the did they pay off whoever created Batman Who Laughs such a large sum of money that they now feel like they come like like the like, like, like some cost fallacy 
where they're just like, well, we know we got to get our money's worth, so we're just going to keep putting him in everything. Uh, right. We're keep telling. We're going to keep telling you that he's great and that he's a really interesting character, and we're going to just keep putting him in everything until eventually everyone right. thinks that too. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I, like I'm tired. Swimming through a giant puddle of money. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm tired. Well, I, I mean, got, he is the perfect combination of the two things. It's Batman and Joker. Great. That's all DC wants to run on. You know. Yeah. Batman and Joker. Great. I don't know. I, I in Infinite Frontier, I was very excited to see Psycho Pirate show up because I'm yeah. like, oh shit, we're gonna move Psycho Pirate kind of closer to that like front line. And then Darkseid's like, nah, he works for me. And it's like, shit, man. <laughs> well, it's it's also it's interesting seeing Psycho Pirate because like that the Psycho Pirate plot that goes back to Grant Morrison's Animal Man. That is like a 25 year old thing. Mm. When, when he had, in his run, he had Psycho Pirate have a breakdown because Psycho Pirate realized they were all living in a comic book. And, like, that's why he was, like, out of commission for a while. And so to mm. see him pop up in, like, the multiverse, I was like, oh, that that's kind of, like, a fun payoff of, like, this this 25-year-old year old setup. Uh, and then it's like, and it's Dark Side. It's like, well, all right. Yeah. I, I don't want... I, wa- I don't, like... I mean, Darkseid's cool when yeah, used sparingly, but he shouldn't be like, imagine like if, if Marvel was like, yeah, Thanos is in everything now. We're just going to like always point to Thanos every single time. Like, uh, I want to, I mean, I want to segue to another comic, but uh, uh, Marvel, Cosmic Marvel is dealing with the last annihilation. And mm-hmm. that has to do with Dormammu accessing our, or the, the 616 universe through Ego using ego as a head to a a cosmic body. And so one of the books, I don't know if you guys read it, I'm so behind on um, Black Panther-related content, but I read The Last Annihilation, Wakanda. I'm so confused, but, like, also, it wasn't a bad read. Um, and so uh, uh, basically, what was, I, what was I trying to say? Oh, what if it wasn't Dormammu? What if it was like Thanos? Blah, Thanos again. Uh, Marvel at least doesn't do that much of Thanos, but still. They're not, they're not anyway, I don't know if you guys it. read that. What's up? I said they're not. They're not usually that bad about it. I I right. didn't read it. I I read like I said like, when, when last I was on was like one of the last one off tie-ins of the last annihilation, the last annihilation, the cable tie-in, um, right? Which. Again, was like a really solid standalone thing. Like honestly, yeah. I didn't even I didn't even realize until I got to the end of it that it was a tie-in to this event that there's a cosmic yeah. event that's going in. I, it yeah. was just a really good. It's like oh cool, like cables back, and we got the, like the exterminators back going on, and like oh that's a, this is really cool. It's a really neat thing. It's like I hope this keeps going like this. Um, yeah. And I was like oh it's a one-off. I was like oh, all right. It's like it's, it's like, I, I need I need to sit down and catch up with. Guardians because I, I I've enjoyed like I read like the first six or so six or seven issues of this Al Ewing run I've really liked it uh, but yes. I just need to go back again I, I got you get swept up in the current that of trying to keep up with every X book and you yeah. just some things just gonna fall to the wayside yeah yeah I'm with you uh, um I I don't need to talk too much about Last Annihilation Wakanda it was a one shot uh, it has to do with like uh, uh, Wakanda's empire. There's also M'Baku, who I don't know if he's actual M'Baku or 
a guy who just shares the same name because they talk about that, but I'm very confused on who he is. Um, I will get clarification later. We don't need to go into that. Um, uh, what are what are some other titles for the sake of time? Like, uh, we don't have to rush or anything, but what are some other titles that that uh, uh, we read? Are you reading uh, Superman and the Authority? Yeah. I uh, I only read the first issue. I'm behind. So uh, I, tell me, uh, tell me about that, Justin. What did you think of this issue? I'm super curious because I've been uh, talking I, about it since I, it started. I really like it. Um, but again, I'm also like a huge Grant Morrison fan, uh, and especially of, of his time on both Superman and The Authority separately. Uh, so I, I've been mm-hmm. very much enjoying this book as kind of a culmination of, if you look at his. Um, New 52 Superman as like, that's his like young Superman and then he does All-Star Superman and then this is like the older, wiser version of, this is a Superman who has realized how the way that he and the Justice League had been trying to maintain the status quo and keep people safe wasn't actually a sustainable thing Um, and is like willing to admit that he messed up and then that's why he's like assembling the, the team um and it's really interesting especially also if you look at um the uh god how am i blanking on the the first guy he recruits from the authority um uh manchester black manchester black yeah manchester, manchester no, black but... yeah 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 you're right no you're right though but it, it, it is yeah, manchester yeah. black mm. but if, if you if you look at manchester black as Grant Morrison writing Manchester Black, like he was Grant Morrison, you know, 25 years ago of just being this absolute shithead of like a very overly confident, like the way you're doing things is bad. I could have been doing this much better. This like this like showmanship kind of thing. And like Superman being kind of Grant Morrison now just being like, yeah, I realized that I messed up and that I, I, I could have done things a lot better, but hopefully we can kind of like, you know, still turn the tide and, and keep things safe. I, I enjoyed it. I, I I really liked the characters that have been included in this. I mean, I'm a huge Midnighter and Apollo fan, so I was always I'm always happy to see them pop up. Um, I, I again, I, I just like yeah, I just like the build of this one too. Like Natasha Irons, you know, somebody who I feel is is kind of a criminally underused character like that. Um, and like you I, said, an I, extension I really of somebody in his action comics run because he uh-huh. like introduces Steel like right away in that book. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm interested in the, in this next issue, which is going to be, I guess, for now the last issue, it's a four issue run, um, of kind of seeing how it all kind of comes to a head, especially now that we've introduced like the ultra humanite and, you know, into, into everything. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see where we're going, but I, I very much like it. I love, I love the art of it as well. It's a very beautifully drawn book. Mikhail Jennings. Great. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I feel like I'm, I'm I'm sort of on the same boat with you that I've been really enjoying this book throughout. I feel like in here we're finally getting a little bit of what that team dynamic is like, uh, mm-hmm. and it's really fun, and I really dig it. Um, and for me, Morrison is like hot and cold, right? Like he, I think he's either like excellent or he's a little bit too up his own ass for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Which it, it, that like mileage varies because Morrison books are so different but this feels like my favorite kind of morrison where he's getting heady he's getting big picturey but he does not forget that these are people that he's working with right uh, 
people with real personalities that work really well off of each other. I'm a sucker for Morrison writing Superman, especially this new sort of interpretation of that character. Uh, because he's still so recognizably Superman, but a Superman who has gone through some very specific life experiences to lead him to this point where he's like sort of a grandfather who's just like, yeah, maybe the kids are right. Uh, yeah. And maybe, you know, what I've been doing isn't necessarily the best, but he still wants to move those kids forward. It almost feels like what, like, an ideal version of the Kingdom Come Superman would have been. I was literally, you know I was I mean? literally about to say Kingdom Come Superman, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like, because in that book, he, he sort of takes that to the extreme where he's like, I'm going to teach you everything. But in here, he's sort of like, no, there, there is something to who the, to, to what these kids are doing. And I'm going to uh, try to like focus them in the right direction rather than like hard, make hard restrictions on what they're doing. Right. Uh, yeah. And like you said, Mikkel Janet's awesome. Mikkel Janet's art is great. For, for me, the best part of this was the beginning of this where they're working through the Intentress mine and, uh, she's like trapped in her trapped in her own idea of her being two separate people as opposed to embracing who she really is and mm-hmm. what the meaning of good is. And Superman pulls out like there you can always find good in something, even yourself, because what you what you will feel uh, when this separation happens is good. And I was like, damn, bro, Morrison can still. It's still yeah, do it. So, like yeah i know i, I know yeah I, I i loved i loved the stuff i loved i love the unification of june moon and enchantress um yeah i just i just i just love everything i also love him writing apollo as just being a huge superman fanboy and midnighter making fun of him for it it's like really cute. they're like cute despite being terrifying right and i oh, feel yeah. like yeah every, every writer has sort of a version of that but i really like how Morrison's playing it because this is very often the authority or or specifically there are overly characterized as like super intense and super fucking real, right? But it's nice to see a different sort of layer to those characters in this mm-hmm. that you don't often get to see because this team is not a super toxic team of people who are only <laughs> job like who are so hard job focused, you know? Right. Yeah. Um uh I got nothing. I didn't read it, so I got nothing. Catch up is um, good. Should wait? Should I? Should I catch up? Catch up. I think. Is I mean, good. Yeah, you, 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 you. I mean, I, th- I think again. It's the nice thing about it is it's it's only four issues. This is issue three that dropped this week. Uh, they're they're good reads. They're relatively quick reads. I I feel like it's a really interestingly like distilled. Grant Morrison, like if, if you want to kind of understand what a Grant Morrison comic is like, this is a perfect like encapsulation of like of of what of, of Grant Morrison at his be- at their best, and like yeah, it, it's 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 great. It's a lot of fun, and it's it's a it's an interesting continuation of like like you know like his All Star Superman or his, his like New Fifty Two Superman yeah stuff. Um, On that note, yeah, though, I, I feel like it's kind of impenetrable for a new reader if you're oh yeah if you're coming in with like no knowledge of who the authority is who manchester black is right even morrison's previous works and how they've sort of led up to this you're gonna jump into this and be like who what what why you right. know what i mean yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that's fair uh i know these characters but it's not a good jump in for new readers especially jumping in for new readers self-contained stuff is good but i don't know whether out of continuity stuff is good for for it, it i don't know it depends on what their goal is it's it's I think I think well the the goal of this I think is very much because Grant Morrison's time with both Superman and the Authority was, was sort of 
unceremoniously short. Like he he didn't get to really stretch his legs the way that he did with like New X Men or something like that. Like, yeah. You know, the, the both both the New Fifty Two action comics. I think is only like what like three volumes. Like so, like, yeah. like maybe like thirty to forty five like issues. Um, yeah. And his like twenty something. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and his and his run of the authority is even shorter. Um. And so I think I feel like this is almost kind of like a bit of an olive branch from DC of being like, hey, we'll let you come back and kind of like combine finish these like, these both of these runs of like wh- what your ideas would have been. Mm. Um, but it's I mean it, it's 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 great. It's a really it's a really it's one of those heady books. I I put it kind of like on par, not not quite honestly to the which is weird like to the Morrisonian levels uh, that the current run of Swamp Thing is currently going at. Mm. Um, but it's 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 definitely one of the more like intellectual in, in its approach to like problem solving vis-a-vis superheroics. Yeah. Uh quick thing um, about this book that I hate. Uh the way yeah. that they're about to collect it is gonna be real stupid. Uh oh, it's sure. gonna be two two issue volumes, even though it's a no. four issue series. Why? What? Horrendous. They're not even like what? eight dollar issues, they're like four dollar yeah. issues, like what are they thicker? Are they thicker issues? Very slightly, uh, but black label books are usually collected all in one, anyways. I don't understand why they're doing this in two, two Is this black volumes. label? I, think, I hope it's, I it's, it's not. It's not. It's not even black label. Wild, wild. Yeah, that's weird. I was gonna ask. Well, I thought it was weird that you're gonna do a four issue trade, like because I was like, why is this miniseries four issues? Because right. even Blue and Gold is six issues, I think, and mm-hmm. Titans United is seven. So, like, they're obviously trying to release trades, but a trade of a four-issue thing, but as two trades, that's wild. That's wild. Yeah. I, I, okay, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm confused. Um, uh, something that was a larger issue this week is the Fantastic Four issue 35. Did you guys read that? No, I I didn't. Okay, Uh, I'll just go over the basic things. I don't have to go over anything crazy, but it's been 60 years for Fantastic Four, right? It's their 60th anniversary. Uh, When was was Fantastic Four 61? Um, 19... I'm going to look it up, but... uh, Fantastic Four... The first one came out in 1961. Yeah, I wonder what month. Because this seems like a deliberate... It, uh, published November. Re- hmm. Wait, no. Fantas- it says released in August, published in November. What does that mean? According to this, the Marvel database, but that could be false, so... Uh, anyway, either or, this was a big issue. This was like 80 pages or something. And uh, it had to do all with Kang. Kang, Immortus, Scarlet Centurion, uh, 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 Tut, and then a new guy, Scion, who's supposed to be an older version. And it was weird, but cool. The way they do it is this council of Kangs, essentially, is all these different versions of Kang come together and they're like, we need to grab this one artifact, but at the same time, but throughout time. And we need to put this artifact together. And 
we then see individual stories of how Kang has killed the Fantastic Four in in each version of their like timeline that they do that. It, it's crazy, and so uh, it's cool. And then there's backup issues or backup stories uh, of the different like classic Fantastic Four kind of themes and that sort of thing. Uh, I liked it. If you're a Fantastic Four fan, it's kind of a fun read. Uh, Manny, though, you're a Fantastic Four fan. You didn't read this. Yeah, I am behind on Fantastic Four. I read Fantastic Four oh. usually in trade. Uh, more often than not, okay. I'm reading uh, Life Story just because it's short so I can get through it initially. Yeah. Uh, but I'm excited to read this when it comes out, even though I, like, am tired of Kang. And by that, I mean, I just, like, Kang confuses me to a point where I just, like, stop paying attention. Yeah. It will not make sense to me. Uh, uh, this one made sense. This one was fairly straightforward, and they do it in a certain way that matches up with the art style of that given set, of like given decade that the original stories took place. It's it's weird. That's like sort of cool, cool, but it's also like weird that they decided that the 60th anniversary is going to what is it the 60 the, the yeah, no, 60th anniversary 60th, yeah. that the 60th anniversary is going to be going to be a bunch of stories of them dying. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like weird. Right. Uh, Congratulations, you're dead again and again. There's a twist. There's a twist or two, you know. So if you read it, I don't want to spoil it. I think it's cool. I think it works. It, it's it's very Kang centered, which is weird because Kang number two came out this week. Did you, yes. any of you guys read that? I did. Yep. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about Kang number two. Uh, um, I mean, I've yeah. I I I I kind of like what this issue, what this series is doing, which is, you know, kind of providing a, a, a crash course on who Kang is as a character and kind of their history as a, you know, villain throughout the Marvel timeline, and by kind of having it be, you know, sort of Iron Lad esque, of a, a a version of Kang that you know he attempts to mold to be an infallible version of himself to learn from every mistake he's made while not recognizing that he's human uh, and that he himself, Kang himself, has made mistakes. Um, and like, I, I feel like the first issue, you know, it was, was kind of expository. It was, it, was, it, was, it was very kind of like, this is the premise we are going with. And this issue, just so much happened in it. Yeah. Um, like, it, it, it literally, it literally in, you know, 20-ish pages... It encompassed the entirety of the Rama Tut era of Kang's career, um, right? While also having cool, interesting nods, like having Ravona show up as Moon Knight for this era. Yeah, um, yeah, that was. I, I never that knew. Awesome. Is that a new thing? That it's is. A... That's a new thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think because because I'm I'm trying to think because I, I have to go back and like compare the design, but I feel like the in in the prehistoric era, I feel like the the girl that young Kang falls for is also a version of Ravona, and so I think what they're they might end up kind of doing about this whole thing is kind of setting up this sort of thing that like the two of them being together is one of those like almost nexus point ish events that like because yeah. he very explicitly tells him to like avoid anyone named Ravona. do not do not let yourself fall in love with don't even talk right. to him don't look at him um but but it was also kind of cool to see in this one like to watch him have his you know Kang armor have that shift into the Iron Lad armor when he was fighting against Rama Tut and then when Rama Tut took him over of having him then be the Scarlet Centurion um, yeah of, 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 like like showing this as another like aspect of it 
Um, and I, I'm so, and, and like now I'm interested in seeing because it feels very much like where we're going next is going to like hard diverge in, in Kang. We have yeah. where, where him teaming up with Apocalypse to try to tank down Kang. Yeah. I love Egypt, like ancient Egypt era Apocalypse because like he's always so badass. He's just. Oh, yeah. Because he gets his ass handed to him by the X-Men. But, like, yeah. it, that's now. But back then, he was a conqueror, you right. know? Um, he, ruled, he ruled all of it. What I think is the prehistoric girl that um, that Kang falls in love with in issue one, is she dark-skinned? Yeah, I think I think she is. And I, then this Ravona is also, mm-hmm. which... Ravona classically is in 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 six one six comics is white with red hair, and she's from the future. And now we're dealing with like darker skinned Ravonas, which uh, 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 remind me of Gugu Mbatha Ra from the Loki series. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me that they're kind of trying to be like, nah, uh, Ravona is uh, uh, she's a woman of color now, and uh, that also fits in with the conspiracy that. That people talk about how all redheaded characters get turned black. It's essentially <laughs> yeah, it, it, this it, it like is, conspiracy. It does, it does kind of feel into start to feel yeah. into that bit of a trope. Right. Uh I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting, but we'll see how that what, what happens. Also, I don't like the idea in science fiction that when you're reincarnated, you end up just looking like yourself every single time, as opposed to like you're you should be changing races. Like, right, you, you why would you always be white or black yeah. in every incarnation? Yeah. You know? I, I, I get it. I, I will say I get it more in, like, this instance because uh-huh. I think this is also, like, a five- or six-issue miniseries. And so I think until until they, like, firmly state, like, all of this is variants of Ravona, um then like they kind of have to like, give that like, little bit of that like visual indication that like this is supposed to be the same person throughout time. Right. Um that th- this is an instance I forgive it, but I do generally agree with you that I don't see why logistically you wouldn't look completely different every time you, you right you know, you know come back to life. Right. In reincarnation with variants I think variants should stay the same, but when you do variants in like movies and TV like, I get that it gets confusing. I mean, DC in the DC uh, CW TV verse, Brandon Routh plays plays uh, Ray Palmer, but also Kingdom Come Superman in yeah. different multiverses, and that and John Wesley Ship plays multiple characters in the Flash, and it gets super confusing. <laughs> and like, why are all these characters this play looking the same? I don't know. Anyway, I think. A, yeah. Visual anyway. shorthand, I think, is the is the is it's, the the only answer yeah. to that. It's just like we need we need like a quick way for the audience to recognize that this person is the same person. Uh, it's right. it's lazy, and you could do other things with it. But like for like like you said, you have like six issues. You gotta like get to that as quickly as possible. Right. Especially when you're dealing with a Kang story, it's got like a thousand moving parts. You know what I mean? Right. You right. can't get right. caught up on one or two because then you'll be there forever. Yeah. Um. As we as we start 
closing up this episode. We're not closing it up just right now, right now. But uh, I do want to make sure that I have time to get to your independent titles. And then if there's any other titles that we didn't touch on today, which there are a bunch, uh, if, if if we could we could rapid fire go through. So let's do some indie titles because I know that you guys like indie comics and I personally not dislike indie comics. I just don't have enough time. And I like reading like Marvel and DC. But what was an independent standout this week? Uh, primordial. I mean, primordial. Yeah, was primordial. Cool. Primordial. Uh, yeah, I, I read. I read that one. Tell me uh, about primordial. So the idea is that the uh, space program stopped because animals started dying when they went to space, right? And they're like, "Well, that seems pretty like like we lost a couple of animals. Why did it stop? Because it didn't stop." And the end of this issue is. I'm not going to spoil it because that is like the crux of the of the issue. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, the reason that it stopped is like the big premise of this book so far. Uh, it sets up something really, really cool going forward. Uh, Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino have worked together before, and they've worked together on Gideon Falls, which is also really, really good. So I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to see what they're doing in this seemingly more, way more sci-fi-centric series. Okay. All right. Justin, thoughts? No, yeah, it, it, I think it's a really interesting concept for this one. I mean, you know, Lemire's stuff tends to be either, like, very high concept or, like, very, you know, genre. It's all, it's across the board. It's just stuff is always very high concept. Um, and this one, you know, appears to be no different. It, it's, it's a really interesting, almost sort of like this is his kind of bent on, like, conspiracy theories and also, like, super science, kind of, potentially, who knows. Um, while looking at kind of the, the like gap in the American space race between the first like Saturn rocket tests and you know the attempt to go to the moon in '69, this sort of like eight year period between like the shutting down of NASA and the reinvigoration once Kennedy comes back around. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really liked it. I'm, I'm very the ending definitely once again has a had a good hook, and so I'm like I'm I will be I will definitely be reading the next issue to see where where this where this is all going. All right. Uh, you guys are interesting me with this. So I always, you guys make such compelling cases for some of these indie comics. And I'm like, okay, you're right. I want to read Black Cotton. I want to read uh, this. I want to read Black Hammer. I mean, uh, you, should, you should read Black Hammer. I'm with Manny on this one. You should 100%. Okay. It's, it's so good. It's so good. Okay. Hear me out. It's so good. I, we both did separate videos on the entirety of what Black Hammer was. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, what what other indie comics uh, came out that are uh, worth talking about? Uh, uh, we got I, um, Homesick yeah. Pilots was was mine. Um, this yeah. is one of my favorite new series. It is it is so good uh, and such a cool concept of just like mashing up like you know mech, like mecha anime with haunted house stories, um, and and it's it's how does that like, work? It, it, it actually it, it there's a logic to it that makes sense okay and where right. where where the series has gone um because essentially the the first like four or five issues is sort of like its own kind of like self-contained like first arc um and sets up that you know it, it takes place in like the early 90s in california there's this like haunted house supposedly haunted and this you know diy punk band called homesick pilots uh, tries to are trying to figure out like what's a good what's a good gimmick what's a good shtick we can do to really get people to come see our show 
And so like, we'll go play a show in this haunted house. This is, this is hundred percent. This will get people out to come see us. And so <clears throat> they end up, you know, going to scope it out. And one of the members, a girl named Amy ends up more or less getting taken by the house. Um, and in this house, there are a, a number of ghosts that are tied to the house. Um, and so then it, it's sort of their, their main competition is this other band called the Nuclear Bastards, who are not great people, save for maybe one of them. Um, okay. But there ends up being like a kind of a covert government agency that's been like investigating ghosts and that might be trying to like weaponize ghosts for like military use. Um, but it's, it's really interesting. The place, like, I don't want to give a lot of it away because the, the like revelations and stuff and like the reveals that happen in it are real good. And I, I, it's, it's building towards something that I'm very excited to watch happen. Um, okay. But it's, it's great. And the art is gorgeous in it. The, the like it's it has like an interesting thing to say about like ghosts as trauma um which is kind of an interesting you know like like approach to like how you know the idea of like something lingering after it dies is not you know a happy person does not become a ghost that it's it's typically these beings that are either like racked with guilt or like pent-up rage at either the way they died or something about that and like that's why they like linger behind as like this kind of like ghost as manifestations of trauma is kind of yeah. a big part of it um but it's great i'm loving it so far and awesome uh i'm already a big fan of uh both like horror stuff and giant robots and this book really hit a very particular speed spot for me that it continues to hit so uh read it please yeah all right um I just want a quick uh, read or don't read from you guys uh, as far as some of the other uh, indie comics. I know one of you at least read Ninjak 3, issue 3. Is Ninjak worth it? Not worth it. Uh, worth it for the art alone. The art's fantastic. The book is fine. Okay. Uh, what about Seven, uh, Seven Secrets? Uh, I haven't read, I didn't read the newest issue, but I really, I, I have the first volume of it in, in trade paperback. And I mean, it, it's great. It's a really great story. The art is really good. I, again, if if you love anything else that Tom Taylor has written, you're probably going to love Seven Secrets as well. All right, then I got to add that to my list now. Cheese. Hard to agree with Justin on that. Read Seven okay. Secrets. I read this issue this week and it still continues to be really, really interesting and really good. Okay. Uh, what about Ma number one? Didn't get around to that one. The premise of it sounds interesting, mm. though. Who 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 told me about Ma number one? Probably. Who put it on their list? Okay, Manny. Okay. Uh, I I did. Yeah, the the premise is interesting, but we haven't gotten there yet. This issue, this first issue, okay. almost feels standalone. It's I'm waiting. I'm I'm gonna read the second issue, uh, but this issue alone really didn't do it for me. Okay. All right. Um, and then uh, I do like Jupiter's Legacy. I've read Jupiter's Legacy and Jupiter's Circle, uh, uh, both volumes of each series. I have not started Requiem yet, but I just think it's su what sucks, not that the, the, the thing sucks, is that they have alternate covers, like variant covers that use pictures from the show. And it's uh, like they were they were planning on the show doing well, 
for Requiem to come out, and I'm sorry. Like, I, I was fine with the show. It was whatever. But, like, I just feel bad. There's a universe out there where Jupiter's legacy, the show, did really well, and it, it kicked off, and Requiem started, bet, like, selling out, and this is not that universe, and I feel bad, you know? Um... There were there were other titles that I did not read. Uh, Batman Urban Legend Seven. I read Urban Legend Six uh, up to six, but I have not read that. Uh, Joker Number Seven came out. Future State Gotham Five came out. Pennyworth. Again, all of these like Batman titles. Uh, Wonder Woman Seven Seventy Nine. Nobody who comes on the show is reading this Wonder Woman title, but the cover art looks great. I have no idea. I have no idea what, what's going on. Yeah, I, I, it's it's just one I again like I, I I keep meaning to and, it, and again it'll probably be one once it starts hitting some more of the, of the I need to go back and read the trades. It's the same way yeah. I feel about like Rom V's run on Catwoman following the Joel Jones stuff. Is okay, yeah, supposedly really really good. I just it's on my list of like comics yeah. to read. Yeah, um, and I'm not cut up on it on there either. Yeah, I like the new Catwoman run. Uh, I've been I've been digging it. Uh, it's interesting. Um, he's been killing it. That guy's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited for him to take over Venom. Yes. Wait, isn't Venom Donny Cates though? Donny Cates about Donny Cates. Donny Cates is wrapping up because he was one of the people who took like who who took the Substack to do his own. Oh, okay, stuff. yeah. He's 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 wrapping up his run because he's currently also doing Thor. Um, oh, okay. And that's that's gonna. Be, I think that's gonna be his main book, and Rom V is taking over on Venom. No, no. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I take it back. Donny Cates is taking over Hulk after uh, oh, Mortal Hulk mean. ends, and mm. Rom V is coming in to take over Venom. Okay. Um, that's <laughs> super confusing. But I'm. I, I like the fact that like you guys know who's writing and who's drawing and stuff because like. I used to not pay attention to most of that, except like my favorites. But now I'm like, okay, I'm learning all these names and I'm like, all right, cool. So, um, uh, there was, I mean, there was other, there was other comics that came out, uh, this week, uh, eternal Thanos rising number one, which I did not read. Uh, Marauder. Was it? And again, it's Thanos. Like, eh. it's, it's, I I understand, but actually it's interesting because actually it's not really about Thanos at all. Um, it's about his parents. Um, okay. And it actually does a really interesting thing because it's like the backstory of like how his parents came to meet is like a thing that's like talked about in comics a lot, but has never mm-hmm. actually really been a lot of explicitly shown. And so it, it basically was Tinder. Kind of shows, yeah, it, it, it basically shows uh, the, the sort of uh, build up to like how his father got to Titan, how they met, okay. and then the aftermath of Thanos being who he is. Yeah. Um, and the punishment that they both received from the Eternals for allowing that to happen because mm. there was a, it was basically out of a whole disagreement war that was going on with the Eternals about whether or not Eternals should be allowed to create, essentially procreate to be able to breed, um, yeah. and whether whether that was going against like their design or not. And so Thanos' dad thought that it was at least worth a shot to see if they could create uh, you know, uh, build on the on, on the betterment of the race by creating new Eternals biologically yeah. instead of just cloning them. Uh, yeah. And it turns out he was wrong, and he made Thanos. So, yeah. Womp womp. Uh, I think that's the best excuse for sex, is to be like, hey, let's just give it a shot. Yeah. Who knows? It science, could be good. Science, let's, let's find yeah. out. Yeah. 
Um, uh, we don't have much time uh, else to talk about anything. I just wanted to say that, like, uh, Agony came out uh, with Extreme Carnage, whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. and it finally picks up. So if anyone's interested in that, technically you could skip most of the other issues beforehand, but Agony is finally where, like, the plot continues. You can watch, read the first issue and then read Agony, and then you're fine. I think, I mean, that's my personal opinion. Um, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Manny, Justin, it's always a pleasure. Um, uh, thank you, obviously, to the audience out there. Uh, but for the audience out there, whether they're watching us live streaming or they're listening to the podcast, um, Manny, what is your social media out loud? Where can we find you? What do you got coming up? If you got any plugs, now's the time to do it. Uh, you can find me on TikTok at Manny's Picks. I do book recommendations and I talk a little bit about comics history. You can find me on Instagram at Manny's You got anything coming up? Uh, not yet. Not yet that I can announce, at least. There's, but there's some stuff. Oh, 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 there's stuff. Oh, oh. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> I love I love it, but I hate it when my guests are like, I'm working on something, but I cannot say. And it's like, oh, <laughs> shit. The cloak and dagger of it all. I'm working with the American government to, to uh, it's all comic book related though. So don't I'm building iron. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Manny, it's always great to have you on the show. So thank you. So always much great to be here, out. man. Yeah. Uh, Justin, uh, what's your social media out loud? Same thing. Yeah. Uh, on TikTok, you can find me at moose underscore zero. Uh, that's where I, I predominantly am on social media wise. If you like more discussions of comic book recommendations of character deep dives of overview stuff, uh, please feel free to check me out there. Um, on Twitter, I'm at moo, like the sound a cow makes, uh, underscore so, like a needle pulling thread. Uh, I've been trying to get better about my Twitter presence. Um, and if, if, if you want to see me occasionally post pictures of what's going on in my life, uh, you can check out my Instagram at justerino, J-U-S-T-E-R-I-N-O, um, to see stuff there. Okay. Awesome. Um, I had to do something real quick there. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? Anyway, uh, thank you guys so much, Justin. Thank you, Manny, so much for coming on the show. Thank you to everybody out there who's watching. Once again, if you could follow us on social media or like, follow, subscribe, thumbs up, do whatever, wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening to, uh, definitely appreciate your guys' time uh, and patience, you know, just uh, being on this journey with us. I think that Comic Talk is something that I'm trying to push to be like, I think it's important to be able to talk about these weekly comics uh, for the, for anyone out there who's like reading weekly comics. Like sometimes you don't have uh, uh, an outlet to be talking about this stuff. Uh, I know that when I was younger, I wish I was watching this show, you know, like when I'm reading these comics, I, I think that's important. So thank you guys for making or uh, helping me make this happen because without you two, uh, I wouldn't have an episode. Uh, and most of most of my episodes, I'll tell you that. Without YouTube, most of my episodes are done. Um, but uh, for anyone who's out there and feels like supporting us, just support us with your likes and your comments and your your interest and and your attendance. You know, um, again, uh, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitch, volume.com slash the Keed Show. Uh, that's where we're at. And then we're also on podcast platforms: uh, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud five different platforms you can find us there and then on twitter or uh, tiktok and instagram at the keeg show we're also on twitter at the keeg show but uh, that's totally up to you and what you guys 
uh, are into. Um, either way, thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you again, Manny and Justin, for being on the show. Once again, I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira, and this has been another episode of Comic Talk. Take care, everybody. Peace out. Thank you.